Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. for Collective Online. We would love for you to join us. A lot of big things are going on at Collective, so make sure not to miss a week this fall as we will be sharing about how God is moving in our church and what is next for Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. When I was a kid, there were a few toys that I always wanted that my parents refused to buy me. One of those toys was an electric football set. And if you don't know what that is, it's a tabletop football game played on a metal field where you set up these players, use this little foam football, then you flip a switch and they vibrate their way to victory. And I wanted one so bad. For years, I begged my parents. I would circle it in the toy catalog every Christmas and sneak it into their room. I would drop hints while we were out shopping. I would point out when a commercial would have one featured to showcase the toy. And eventually, after years of asking, my parents caved and bought me one. I was so excited. I just imagined countless hours of playing with little vibrating dudes scoring touchdowns. And then I set up the toy and it was terrible. It would take 10 to 15 minutes to set everything up. You'd flip a switch and the guys would just tip over. Take 10 to 15 minutes to set everything up, flip the switch and the guys would just tip over. It was so disappointing. I had, I had set my hopes up so high and within minutes they were crushed. Today, we're continuing our series called Perspective, and we're talking about hope. And hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. And I'm assuming at some point or another in your life, you've put your hope in a person or a career or a possession or a relationship that in in the end left you feeling disappointed or frustrated or empty So the question I want you to wrestle with today is, what do you have your hope in? Not what do you want to have your hope in? What do you actually have your hope in? And Paul talks about this in his letter to the church in Philippi. We pick it up today in chapter three, and this is how he begins this section of his letter in verse one. He writes, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Now, one of the underlying themes of the book of Philippians is joy, which we're actually gonna talk about next week as we close out this series. But one of the things that we have to remember is that Paul is in prison awaiting his possible execution. So why does he have joy? How can he rejoice? To put it simply, it's because he put his hope in the right thing. Skipping ahead a few verses, we're gonna read as Paul gives a list of all the things he has done in his life that he could actually put his hope in. And it's not actually going to make much sense as I read it, but we'll actually go back and talk through it. This is his list, starting in verse four. I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, 
I obeyed the law without fault. Now, let me explain what Paul is saying. Everything he lists would have been very impressive during that time in his culture. He says that he was circumcised on the eighth day. Now, you may be thinking, Paul, I really didn't want to know that, so thanks for telling me. But here's what he's referring to. In the first book of the Bible in the Old Testament called Genesis, God tells his people that whenever they have a son, they were to circumcise them on the eighth day as a sign of their faith in God. So Paul points out that that's what happened to him. His parents had him circumcised on the eighth day. And the truth is he could have put his hope in this. He could have put his hope in the faith of his parents and them choosing to have him participate in a religious ritual when he was a baby. And maybe that's what some of you have done. I'll give you an example of what we see today. A lot of you were probably sprinkled when you were a baby. And I would say that that's really great that your parents did that and they chose to raise you in the church and they did that ritual. But if that's all it is, if it's just a religious rite that was done for you and you didn't choose for yourself, then it's exactly what Paul is talking about here. You can't put your hope in a faith decision that your parents made for you. That's why in the New Testament of the Bible, whenever someone decides to follow Jesus, they choose for themselves to get baptized, to publicly proclaim their faith in Jesus, including Paul himself. Even though he was circumcised on the eighth day when he became an adult and he encountered Jesus, he chose to get baptized because he didn't put his hope in a religious ritual that he didn't choose for himself. Paul also says that he was from the nation of Israel and from the tribe of Benjamin. And Paul could have put his hope in the fact that he was born into the right family. Let me explain what this means. Paul was an Israelite, which were God's chosen people, but he was also born into the tribe of Benjamin. You see, Jacob, who was the patriarch of the Israelites, had 12 sons who would later lead different communities, different tribes of Israelite people. And Benjamin was the only one of the 12 sons who was born in the promised land. So his tribe had a special privilege that the other tribes didn't have. In fact, when Israel would go on military processions, the tribe of Benjamin would get to lead the way because they were actually held in such high regard. So Paul says, I'm not just an Israelite, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. And sometimes we put our hope in the success of our parents or where we're from or a family name. Paul also could have put his hope in the fact that he had the right credentials. He said that he was the Hebrew of Hebrews, that he was a Pharisee. Now, during this time, there were never more than 300 Pharisees, which were the ruling elite of the Jewish faith. And Paul was one of them. He was at the top of the list. He was very religious. He had achieved power and prestige and respect in the eyes of people through being a Pharisee, right? And sometimes we put our hope in our credentials, in our title, in the status that we've achieved, One more example. Paul also uh, could have put his hope in the fact that he kept all the rules and regulations, right? He says, I obeyed the law without fault. And that's a pretty bold statement. You have to understand that in the Old Testament of the Bible, there were 613 laws that the Pharisees would follow and enforce. And on top of that, the Pharisees actually had an extra set of rules that they followed that were kind of caveats to the rules. For example, one of the 613 laws was that you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. And the way that the Pharisees interpreted the law and one of the caveats that they added to that law 
was that if a gnat landed on your arm in the Sabbath, you couldn't brush it off because that was considered work. Or if you had a chicken and that chicken laid an egg on the Sabbath, you would have to throw it away and not eat it because the chicken worked on the Sabbath. So Paul says, as for the rules, I followed all of them. And not, the, not just the 613 laws, I kept all the caveats because I don't even like scrambled eggs. And maybe that's you. Someone told you all the rules of religion and the church and you grew up doing all of those things, having all of those answers. Or maybe it's not even involving religion or church. You have all the rules of success and business and you follow those to a T or all the rules of how to achieve a happy suburban life. And your temptation is to put your hope in yourself and what you have accomplished and what you have achieved. And Paul says he could have done that more than anyone else. But let's keep reading and see what he says about this list and what he actually puts his hope in. Starting in verse seven, he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with him depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So Paul compiles this very extensive list and, and honestly, this very impressive list. But then he says they're worth nothing compared to what Jesus offers. And there are two words that I wanna point out and what Paul writes to help us better understand what he's saying and like better emphasize what he's saying. The first is the word garbage. Paul says, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. And this is actually a very soft translation of what Paul is saying. You see, the Greek word for garbage is skubala. And when I was in college taking Greek classes, that's what the New Testament is written in. So I took classes to learn actually how to read the New Testament in its original language. And when I was in college taking these classes, this was one of the first words I learned because it's better translated to a word that I can't actually say while preaching. So for a season, instead of saying other choice words, some of us replace that with scubula. Stub your toe, scubula. Disagree with what someone is saying, that's bull scubula. Roommate doesn't flush the toilet, you get the point. So what Paul is saying is that these things are garbage that they don't carry any weight, to be honest, they're crap. The second word I wanna point out is compared. Paul says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, this is really important. There are a lot of things on Paul's list that aren't bad. It was good to follow the law. It was good as a Jew to be circumcised. It was good to be born into an iconic family. Those weren't bad things. But what he is saying is that they aren't good to put your hope in, right? They're fine in and of themselves, but compared to putting your hope in Christ, they're worthless. They're garbage. Scubula. So I started thinking about my own list, the things that I put my hope in at one point or another. Now, 
Let me start by saying that I've never put my hope in the fact that I've kept all of the laws. I literally never drive under the speed limit. And even though I've gotten pulled over twice for driving while using my cell phone, I still do it. There it is. But here's my list. Things that are important to me and have been important to me at different times that I have put my hope in. One thing I put my hope in at different times is my paycheck, right? We're told that this solves a lot of problems. And if we just have more money, we'll have all we need. And we're presented this picture of indulgence from our society. And we're told that this is the ticket. And like, this is the key to unlock all of the happiness and desires that we want. There's nothing wrong with getting a paycheck. A paycheck is good. But money is often compared in the Bible to the main competition with Jesus. So when we hope in money, it's just going to lead to disappointment in the end. Something else that I put my hope in is my education. My degrees are really important to me. They represent a lot of hard work. They're the sum of a lot of long nights and a lot of personal growth. And I always felt like a degree was key to doing what I wanted in my life and realistically proving what I was capable of. I mean, it's important to get, a knowledge, to get knowledge. It's important to get an education. But the truth is you could know advanced mathematics and the periodic table and world history. But if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, scubla. Another thing that I put my hope in is my marriage. I love my wife more than anything. I am the person I am today because of her grace and because of her patience with me. She's my best friend. She's my safe place. I would be lost without her, and I love her, uh, her with everything in me. But as loving as Ray is, and as amazing as she is, she's just a person. She isn't and can't be my savior. Another thing I put my hope in is my family. I love my family. I love my girls. I'd give my life for them in a moment's notice. But as much as I love my family, compared to the love of Christ, it's not even close. Another thing I put my hope in are my possessions. Now that might sound silly, but some of you understand this. We put a lot of energy and passion into what we drive or where we live. A lot of our world revolves around the things that we own. But when we put our hope in those things, we will always, always be disappointed. Now, maybe for you, your list is similar to me. Or maybe you've put your hope in sports or your social media presence, or watching the Ravens play, or a friendship. And the thing is, this is really important because this is what Paul said. These things in and of themselves might not be bad. In fact, they can even be good or great things. But that's why it's so important to understand that Paul says, compared to knowing Jesus, the greatest thing in the world, the greatest moment in the world, the greatest feeling in the world, when compared to what Jesus offers, is garbage. And then Paul continues by saying this in order to make it even clearer, starting in verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So Paul is saying, my hope isn't in my achievements in my title, and how my parents raised me. My hope cannot be found in anything but Christ and the life that he has called me to. So let me ask you again, what do you have your hope in? 
a few years ago, there's an article in Newsweek about religion and hope. And one of the people who was interviewed was renowned astronomer, Carolyn Porco. Now, Porco is an incredible scientist, but she's also a very outspoken atheist. And in this article, she talked about how one of her goals was to replace hope in God with hope in science. And this is what she said. Science itself should attempt to supplant God in Western culture by providing the benefits and comfort that people find in religion, such as community, ceremony, and a sense of awe and wonder. She continued, imagine congregations raising their voices in tribute to gravity, the force that binds us all to the earth and the earth to the sun and the sun to the Milky Way. But then even Porco admitted that science has its limitations when it comes to hope. Here's what else she said in the article. People who want to know that they're going to live forever and meet mom and dad in heaven, we can't offer that. I think we'd all agree that science is incredibly important and it's a necessary part of discovery and education and life, but it can't offer peace. It can't tell you why you're here. It can't offer you purpose. It is only through Jesus Christ that we have a hope that doesn't disappoint, a hope of eternal life in heaven, a hope in what lies ahead. And then Paul says this, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. Now, I love this approach. Uh, Next time I'm in an argument with anyone, maybe my wife, I'm just gonna say, all of us who are mature will agree. And if you don't, I'm sure God will prove to you that I'm right at some point. But, But realistically, the reason why Paul is doing this is because he knows that some people are going to read this letter and disagree with him. Right? They're going to think that he is full of scubula. And maybe you're watching today and you're thinking the same thing. Maybe you're uncomfortable with the fact that I said that my wife or my career or my possessions are nothing in comparison to what Jesus offers. But here's why you think that. It's because you haven't encountered grace. Because when you understand in your soul that while you were doing the worst thing you would ever do, the most selfish act you could ever perform, that Jesus was looking at you and dying on a cross for your sins, then you would understand what Paul is talking about. Because when you experience the unconditional love from a savior, or when you're given a second chance at life and then another second chance at life and then another, right? When you've seen lives changed or brokenness healed, when you learn that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less, when you experience that grace, that unbelievable, amazing, life-giving grace that God offers you, it changes completely how you view everything else. So even though Paul is in prison and his life could end soon, he has hope in a savior who loves him. This is why he also wrote in another letter to Timothy, For our hope is in the living God, who is the savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Our hope is in Jesus who saves us. Our hope is in Jesus who loves us. Our hope is in Jesus who calls us. Our hope is in Jesus who forgives us. Our hope is in Jesus who sets us free. And all you have to do to accept that, to receive that hope, To have that hope in your life, all you have to do is shift your perspective away from things in life that even though they might be good things, can't give you hope. 
and shift your hope to Jesus, which is better compared to everything else that you could put your hope in. And if you're ready to do that, we want to help you take that next step. You can head to mycollective.church baptism or fill out an online connection card and check the baptism box. Danielle will reach out to you this week and talk to you about taking your next step and actually putting your hope in the right place and the best place and putting it in Jesus. And if you're ready, if you're ready to get baptized, we want to celebrate that with you on September 13th at Collective's third birthday party. That night from five to eight in the parking lot of our future building, we will worship. There'll be food trucks. There'll be activities for kids and baptisms for anyone who's ready to take that step. More details will come this week about the event, but there isn't going to be a better time to take your next step than that night. There's not gonna be a better time to put your faith in Jesus than September 13th as we celebrate what God has done over the past year and we dream about what God can do over the next year. I wanna finish with this. Romans 5.5 says this, And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. There is a hope that exists that will not lead to disappointment, that doesn't leave you wanting, that doesn't leave you feeling empty. And that hope only comes from God because here's the truth. God's goodness, God's love, God's grace, God's hope will never let us down. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that we don't have to put our hope in things. God, that we don't have to put our hope in people. God, that we don't have to put our hope in our careers or how much money we have. Because the truth is we've done that before and maybe we're doing that right now. And we know that it only leads to disappointment. We set our hopes so high on these things that in the end, just let us down. God, these things that don't give us peace and don't give us grace and don't give us life and don't give us freedom. God, ultimately, you are the only thing that can offer that. So God, in a season that feels hopeless, God, in a season where we're all longing to have hope in something, I pray that we turn our perspective and shift it back to you and what you offer. God, because compared to everything else, it's nothing. It's scuba. God, thank you for the hope that you offer us. God, thank you for the grace that leads to hope. God, thank you for the forgiveness that leads to hope. Thank you for the redemption and the grace that lead to hope. God, we can't do life without it. And I pray this week for everybody who's seeking that out and putting their hope in the wrong place, that they could turn towards you and have hope better than anything else they can imagine. God, we thank you and we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.